At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The kind of conversation we have behind the scenes are not in, in line with the rumors. Okay? There you go. No, they're not at all. We, we've been talking, we've been together and connected throughout this whole this whole season. And uh, that's why it's it's easy to dismiss, to dismiss those at this time. You know, for me, uh, you know, I think what I'm really super passionate about, obviously, you know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls. And um, you know, my plan is to win them here. You know, it's, it's that simple. You know, I think that's... Uh, and so that, that's, you know, there, there's nothing really else other than, other than that. Everything is definitely on the table. Uh, there are things that seem more plausible or more likely, which I won't necessarily get into. But um, the most important thing is first uh, the, the commitment to, to playing. And then after that, um, it's just conversations with uh, my agent and, and Brian and looking at the uh, the desires of the team and, and the, you know, the kind of the mindset moving forward and then make a decision. It's a Tuesday edition of PFTPM. Some days when we get to 5 o'clock Eastern, there really isn't anything to talk about since we signed off at 9 a.m. Eastern from two hours of PFT Live. On other days, there's plenty of things to discuss. Today, like today, is one of those days. And <laughs> just like Tom Brady got knocked from the top big font headline in NFL news some five weeks ago by the Brian Flores lawsuit, Aaron Rodgers and his decision to stay with the Packers has been knocked off at the top of the stack by where we begin today, Shereen. We're going to start with Russell Wilson being traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to try to tell everyone with a straight face that Russell Wilson was the first choice. The timing would suggest otherwise, but that's fine. They got their guy. They have their quarterback. George Payton told me last week the urgency on a scale of 1 to 10 was a 10 to address the quarterback position, and I would say they have acted accordingly, giving up a lot to get a quarterback that they think will get them over the top. Well, and they did it by signing Peyton Manning a few years ago, and since then they've started 11 quarterbacks, which is tied with Washington for the most in the league. So they couldn't get it done through the draft. They repeatedly tried that and tried that and tried that and didn't get that right. So now they've obviously gotten it right, Mike. Gave up a lot to get him, but I think it's a move they had to make, don't you? I don't feel like this is a team that's a quarterback away from winning now, but to me, this is a long-term thing for the Broncos. I mean, he's 33 years old. They're obviously going to re-sign him before his contract expires in two seasons. So this is a long-term trade for the Broncos looking ahead, and this is going to be a long-term relationship so the Broncos do feel like they have a chance now to win a Super Bowl going ahead, whether it's this year or whether it's another year. When they got Peyton Manning, they gave up nothing to get him because he had been cut right. 
by the Indianapolis Colts. Colts didn't even get a compensatory draft pick because they cut Peyton Manning. This time around, they give up seven assets, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a flip-flop of a fifth-round and a fourth-round pick. That really doesn't count. And then three players, you saw the names on the screen, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant. So they're giving up a ton to get Russell Wilson. And you mentioned he's under contract for two more years. He's due to make $51 million. We know what the pattern is for Russell Wilson. He gets his next contract with one year left on his current deal. And for all we know, he's going to press to get a new contract right now. Remember, Mark Rogers, his agent, has one client. He's the Tom Hagen of NFL agents. So he doesn't have to worry about how being a pain in the butt on behalf of one client, may affect the interests of other clients. There isn't this broader dance you have to do to preserve relationships. Your relationship is with your client to get the best deal you can. And, Shireen, the Broncos have to go into this clear-eyed, understanding that come next year, they're going to have to make Russell Wilson one of the highest-paid players in all of football. And how can they say no after giving up seven assets to get him? And I'll take it one step farther. I'll take it one step farther. No deal's done until Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I don't know how the no-trade clause works from the standpoint of saying I'm fine with it and having a change of heart. What if he decides over the course of the next week, you know what, I want my new contract now. He's got all the power in the world. If Mark Rogers wants to push the Broncos to make him $50 million per year plus $1 so he's just ahead of Aaron Rodgers, he's never going to have more power than he has right now because he could blow the whole thing up between now and next Wednesday. Oh, he has the Broncos over the barrel. And they knew that going in, that if they gave up this much to get Russell Wilson, that they were going to give him a new contract at some point uh, to to keep him long-term. This isn't a two-year rental, certainly. And we know Russell Wilson probably isn't going to play for his current contract next year, not when we've seen what quarterback salaries have done and are about to do with Aaron Rodgers getting his new deal So, you know, he's got a $19 million base this season and $22 million base next season. He's going to want more money and going to want it pretty quickly. If not now, then certainly after this season, Mike. And he's going to get that because that's what the Broncos agreed to when they made this trade was Russell Wilson is now our longtime quarterback. uh, And they feel like they finally have him. So he's going to get his money. He's going to get paid. And to me, it almost seems like maybe that was part of the Seahawks thinking they didn't want to go there with Russell Wilson. They didn't want to pay that money that it was going to keep to take to keep Russell Wilson in Seattle. Something I said last week. They're deciding to get what they can now instead of next year because next year the trade would have happened with the certainty that whoever does the deal is going to have to pay Russell Wilson. This time they move him where all they have to do is take on the contract. Next year, the the existing contract, next year they'd have to pay him and they would give up less. It's always a balance. How much you have to pay the player, how much you have to give the team. And if you have to give the player a major contract on the way through the door, you're less inclined to pay the team. But I don't want to gloss over the possibility that Wilson could say, you know, $19 million base salary and $5 million roster bonus, that's $24 million. You got Aaron Rodgers making fifty. You got Patrick Mahomes making 45. I know my contract was front-loaded, but it was at an average of 35. Something's wrong with this picture. I want it now. If he says, I want it now, and he can just blame his agent 
Sorry, my agent told me to do it. If Mark Rogers says, I want it now, he wants it now, he gets it now, what's George Payton going to say? No? And then all Russell Wilson has to say is, fine, I don't waive my no-trade clause. I mean, I really don't think any of it's binding. And I'm going to have to look into this to be 100% sure. But the idea that you can't actually do the trade until next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I would tend to believe that Russell Wilson's consent to be traded doesn't become binding until then either. And until then, it is something he could revoke. So I agree with you. Seahawks looked at this as, let's just do it now. Because next year, we're going to have to pay him. Next year, somebody's going to have to pay him. Let's just do it now. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off now. We have no intention to trade Russell Wilson. We knew when we heard it that that meant for sale sign is in the yard, come change our intention, and the Broncos did. Hell, the talks were happening. This has been percolating for a month. It was in process. So I I, 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 (laughs) – you know, I love chaos. Chaos is good for business. Days like today are great for business. And there's a wrinkle to this. There's a chaotic wrinkle to this where Wilson could say, oh, by the way, Broncos, you better go ahead and – give me my contract now and he'd be within his rights to do it because 24 million isn't enough no absolutely mike he's going to be one of the 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 biggest value if he does play for that this season he's going to be one of the biggest values at quarterback in the nfl and the broncos better use that as they can uh because his price is only going to go up after this season but i would expect that new contract to come sooner than later certainly mike but this has always seemed like an inevitability that he was going to be traded from the Seahawks since last January when his frustrations bubbled up publicly in that interview. And he talked about being involved in personnel and he talked about how bad his offensive line was and he's tired of taking hits and everything else he said last January. This just felt like his days in Seattle were numbered. And then, of course, Mark Rogers comes out and says, well, we don't want to trade, but if the Seahawks are going to entertain trade talks, then here's the four teams that he would waive his no-trade clause to. And, and since then, it's just felt like that was going to happen. And today it finally happened of him being traded to the Broncos. So no surprise that, that this happened. I think we all saw it coming, Mike. It maybe just took a little longer than, than we thought it might take. Do you think... That the, Bronco, that the Seahawks would have gotten more for Russell Wilson a year ago if they had done this, and or would they have gotten more next year if they had done this? They wouldn't have gotten more next year. I'm convinced they wouldn't have gotten more next year because next year yeah. you'd have to give them a huge contract, contract on the way through the door. Yep. Last year, they may have gotten more. They didn't get three first-round picks. Didn't they turn down three first-round picks last year from the Chicago Bears? Wasn't that one of the packages that was out there? And wasn't that one of the teams on his short list of teams he would play for? Look, I think last year he dipped. Now, the finger injury had a lot to do with it. His final stats weren't horrible. But something that I've noticed, he doesn't move like he used to. He doesn't have the same mobility and elusiveness that he once had. And that's fine. Not everyone is going to continue to be able to run like they did in their 20s. But that's a factor in all this. It's going to be interesting to see what he does on a team that has more around him. And he's jumping into a division where he's going to have Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin (laughs) Herbert twice a year, Derek Carr twice a year. He's going to be competing beyond his division in the conference for playoff seating with Josh Allen and the Bills. 
Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. If Trevor Lawrence becomes the real deal as the number one overall pick in the draft, he's stepped into a much tougher spot. But you know what, Shereen? I think that he's still in a better position to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos than if he stayed with the Seahawks. Because right now the Seahawks are in I don't know what phase. Rebuilding, reloading, reshuffling, retooling, regurgitating. I don't know. <laughs> and, and especially without Russell Wilson, surely Drew Locke isn't yeah. the answer. Surely they have a better plan, all due respect, than Drew Locke at quarterback. And I was talking to somebody about it today, and the, the suggestion was, well, the Seahawks will just draft somebody. Well, they, they, they may as well have a sign. You know the old kick me sign that they put on your back? They may as well have a leapfrog me sign on their backs as their pick approaches in round one because that's going to be the clear point of delineation where if you want a quarterback, you better cut the line in front of the Seattle Seahawks. And we know that throughout the first round of the draft, they will be potentially trying to trade up to get in position to get whoever they really like if that's what they plan to do. Now, I don't know that taking a quarterback in round one is the right way for the Seahawks to go because it hasn't exactly worked out. I think of guys like Rick Meyer and Dan McGuire – they got Russell Wilson because he fell to them in round three. But they may get a little desperate now to try to package some of that stuff they got for Wilson to enhance their opportunity to draft a quarterback. And that's the other side of this, too. Maybe they really like one of these guys that's coming out in the draft. Well, and that could be, Mike. If that's the case, then good for them. They'll draft one of those guys. You would also think maybe that now that they have all these picks that they're doing their due diligence on a guy like Deshaun Watson, and maybe that would be a possibility. The only reason this doesn't make sense to me, it makes a lot of sense in, in a lot of different areas that we've talked about. The one way it doesn't make sense to me is the age of your coach. Pete Carroll is 71 years old, and to me, this just doesn't look like a guy who's in it for the long, based on his age, in it for the long haul to rebuild this team. And right now, if you look at their team, Bobby Wagner is the lone guy left from their Super Bowl season. And he might not be there for long. He might not play there in 2022. So they could have completely cleared out that entire Super Bowl team and, and be starting over. And this just doesn't look like a team that's cl even close to being a Super Bowl team. Perhaps even if they get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I don't know that I like their chances when we talk about the competition in the NFC West. It's awfully tough in that division. That's the toughest division, obviously, in the NFC to win. So they've got a lot of things to do here, and, and I know they've looked ahead. They didn't just make this trade and go, okay, now what do we do at quarterback? I know they have some kind of plan. And maybe they think they're going to fall into another Russell Wilson, but let me just tell you, that doesn't happen. You look at the Broncos and how they've drafted quarterbacks and how it didn't work out for them. There's an awful lot of quarterbacks who are drafted that, it, that are probably worse than they are better when you draft a quarterback. You just don't know what you're getting. They drafted Brock Osweiler in round two, the year that Russell Wilson fell yep. to round three. That just shows you what's going on. Now, I don't think that yep. a short quarterback, six foot or under, I don't think that's going to result in a guy sliding like it once did because we now know that those guys can still play. But mm -hmm. still, you never know where that quarterback's going to come from. And the harder you try to make a first-round pick into your guy, the, the harder it is. And there's more pressure on that guy that's taken in round one, especially if they decide to go with a first-round pick. And the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, Shereen, I don't think they should because that guy's going to be yeah. under tremendous pressure to come through the door and pick up the reins 
that Russell Wilson left behind with a team that is anywhere close to being as good as it was when Russell Wilson arrived 10 years ago. And by the way, this trade to the Broncos is happening one day short of the 10-year anniversary of their initial meeting with Peyton Manning. So uh, here they are after a revolving door, six years of Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, who else? God, I'm sure they don't want to remember who else that they tried at quarterback. They used a first-round pick on Paxton Lynch. How did that go? Not too good. Case Keenum, I mentioned Trevor Sinium. Joe Flacco was there at one point. It's just been a mess. And now they get their guy. And I really am going to be curious to see what Russell Wilson still has left. And I'm sure he'll redouble his efforts to be ready to go. Oh, and by the way, he gets to play all of his old friends and foes in the NFC West this year. Yes, the Broncos go to Seattle during the regular season. All of a sudden, that becomes a game that you circle with red ink. As we wait for the schedule to release, usually it is now May. Usually it's been one year or two since they moved it to May, and they like it in May after the draft. The Broncos at the Seahawks is going to be a huge, huge game for which the networks are going to be jostling because that's going to be Russell Wilson's return to Seattle, and I bet it happens in the first month of the season before either team declares itself to be not a contender. I could see this being like almost like last year, week four Sunday night. Doesn't that make sense? Tom Brady yeah. back to New oh, England. Absolutely. I think week four Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday night, not that they'll give it to Thursday night, not on Amazon, uh, but but uh, either Monday night or Sunday night, I could see Russell Wilson going back yeah. to Seattle. It's going to make for a fascinating – we're you know we're already starting to see the pieces fall together on what's going to be interesting this year, and boom. All the AFC West games, the round robin there twice. Any other games that the Broncos may have in the AFC? I think they play the Ravens this year. Maybe they play the Bengals too. I'm going to have to look at that. But but the schedule gets very interesting now Now that we know their quarterback is Russell Wilson. Assuming he doesn't pull the yeah, plug between Mike, now and Wednesday. Mike, you, when you and I grew up, you know, quarterbacks stayed in one place forever. You know, the Roger Staubachs and, and those guys, they were there forever mostly. And when Joe Montana left and went to Kansas City, it was a really big deal when, when those guys moved because it just didn't happen very often. And then when you had unfettered free agency in the early 1990s, we still didn't see a ton of big movement of quarterbacks because when you found that guy, you wanted to keep that guy and you wanted to keep him forever. And, and so you had the Troy Aikmans and all those guys who stayed in one place. And it was rare when a guy went somewhere else to finish his career and now I kind of like it. Guys are moving around, and, and it's been fun these last three years to see quarterbacks go different places and try to win different places. And guess what? The last two years, it's worked beautifully for the Buccaneers and getting Tom Brady in free agency. And then this year with the Rams trading for Matthew Stafford, both in their first year at those teams. So I think we're going to see more and more of this, that teams aren't just going to stand pat. They aren't going to just – Go in the draft and go, well, we'll take our chances on this guy again. I think you're going to see more and more teams go after the proven commodity, and those guys are going to be available on the trade market. So we could see more of these things this year, next year, and, and years beyond. And uh, I remember when we were kids, remember the big trade, the big quarterback for quarterback trade? Well, of course, you lived there. You were close to it. It was Dan Pastorini for Ken Stabler. Remember? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was stunned yeah. by that. And it didn't happen. That did yeah. not happen. And we haven't seen a quarterback for quarterback trade recently, but the idea that a quarterback can't get traded. And this goes back to, and this is a chapter in Playmakers, by the way, available now at 20% off at Amazon. And by the way, if you've already ordered at Amazon, I'm told that you get the 20% discount. So you have that going for you, <laughs> which is nice. But one of the chapters there was driven by 
Tom Brady's jump from the Patriots to the Buccaneers, and it just it shows how much power quarterbacks now have, and they have a ton of it. And Russell Wilson didn't even have to use it this year. It was the residual effect of last year that set it up for this year. He wisely didn't rattle the cage this year, and maybe he knew. Maybe they had the conversation last year. We don't know what happens behind the scenes. We know that they tell us one thing and they do something else. Maybe they agreed that after 2021, they'd they'd look at where things stood. And they played it very deftly. They got maximum compensation. And one of the ways you get maximum compensation is you act like you're not as anxious to make a trade as you otherwise would seem to be. The only downside from Russell Wilson's standpoint, the team he's going to has given up a hell of a lot of stuff to get him. You, you yeah. don't want your team to give up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three quality players, although who cares about Drew Locke? Get him out of here. But, but other than that, six pieces that could help Russell Wilson win games, they're gone now. And uh, there's not much you can do if you really want out, but that's just part of the reality for Russell Wilson. And, and if he had been agitating even harder to get out, it may have been harder for the Seahawks to get that full compliment. So it, it's a professional. Everyone was professional here. And it worked out fine, and Russell Wilson would have stayed if they weren't able to work out a deal. But they got it worked out. No intention to trade. Six days ago became an intention to trade eight days from now. And again, I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. We just have to recognize one of these trades that gets lined up before 4 p.m. on the first day of the new league year is not going to go through. One of these days it's going to happen. We've seen players who do deals in that two-day window ultimately not sign them. One of these days a team is going to say, we're not going through with the trade, or a player who has a no-trade clause is going to decide not to waive it between the day the trade was tentatively done and the day that arrives for the trade to be official. We just have to keep an eye on that. The one time we don't, Shereen, is the time it's going to happen. Oh, no question, Mike. And and it's not official until it's official, right? And and it's so we're still a week away from it becoming official, so anything could happen uh, in that time. And you know, the commanders we know offered, according to a report, first-round draft picks in 2022, 23, 24. Russell Wilson had that no-trade clause, though, Mike. He got to say where he wanted to go. If you're Russell Wilson, where would you have chosen to go? What team? Because the Broncos, to me, like I said, I think this is a long-term deal. I get that. But to me, they just don't look like they're a quarterback away. To me, there are other teams especially in the NFC, that maybe more look like they're a quarterback away and maybe it's a little bit easier to win. I'm not sure. The Seahawks obviously wanted him to go to the AFC, but I think I would have tried to stay in the NFC if I was him. Well, and then the question becomes, would the Seahawks trade him to one of those teams? Just like the question of whether or not the Packers would have traded Aaron Rodgers to a team in the NFC. That's the reality in the castaway. (laughs) That's that's very well done. Very well done. And again, it's not official. Wilson may float right back to that makeshift boat that Tom Cruise put together. Awesome movie, underrated. If Miles Simmons were on, I know what the answer to the question would be. He's never seen it. I assume you've seen Castaway, Shereen. Absolutely. I have one of my all-time favorites multiple times, and the Broncos started it by doing the volleyball, the, the scene from there, and the Seahawks followed it up. And I see the Seahawks have got a lot of criticism on Twitter, but I really liked it. I thought it was a great response to what the Broncos did. Awesome movie. It's a little long. It drags a little bit yeah, in the middle. It does. But the scenes at the end, when he comes back and she's Fantastic. married and moved on, 
uh, sorry, spoiler alert, it's, it's 20 years old. I think the statute of limitations is run. He was dead all along. That's not the spoiler from that one. But she thought he was dead all along, and he wasn't. It's a reverse of the sixth sense. That, that, that's just, to me, it's, it was heart-wrenching to see what they were going through and for him to walk away and do what he thought was the right thing. That uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch Castaway now. Great advertising by the Broncos and the Seahawks to get people to watch Castaway. If only it were on Peacock. Maybe it is. We'll check it out during the break. Let's go ahead and take a break. And the Broncos working very hard to make sure that people don't think Russell Wilson was second choice when they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. But the way the dominoes fell, it sure sounds like it, and it seems like it, and it feels like it, because a few hours before Russell Wilson landed in Denver, tentatively, Aaron Rodgers made it known he's definitely staying with the Packers. We'll break what was the top story of the day down in detail when PFTPM continues right after this. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. So apparently Miles Simmons has seen Castaway. That's far more important than getting to the point. He has seen Castaway. He, and he's watching the show, which is kind of stunning to me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't watch it if I wasn't on it today, that's for sure. So thank you, Miles. Maybe he's just waiting to hear if we talk about him. So let's not say anything bad about Miles Simmons, at least until we know that he's not watching. Aaron Rodgers probably isn't watching. Here's something that he had to say after the news came out that he's agreed to terms with the Packers. Hey, everyone, just wanted to clear some things up. Yes, I will be playing with the Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract I quote-unquote signed. I'm very excited to be back. Look, hey, this is the guy that decided to play games with words when he was asked if he's vaccinated, and he said, yeah, I've been immunized. In response to the question, are you vaccinated? Here's what he's doing now. He's playing a childish-ass game, Shireen, over whether or not he's put pen to paper on a contract that he has agreed to terms with the Packers about. Oh, sorry. I couldn't resist. He immunized a contract. Thank you very much for pointing. Thank, thank you very much for shining a light on me being a complete and total ass. But I can't resist it. Don't play word games. Don't do that. You, you've agreed to terms. And the question of whether or not the terms of the contract are accurate I think what it came down to is this, because you had Ian Rappaport say four years, $200 million, and then you had Pat McAfee acting as the liaison for Aaron Rodgers saying that that's not true. What I assume it is is a four-year, $200 million extension of his current deal, which makes it five years, 224 to $26 total. New money versus old money. Happens all the time. But, but don't, don't play those games. Don't make it look like you haven't agreed to terms. Don't make it look like you're just going back to Green Bay on the final year of your deal. Because if you are, you got a cap number of $46.66 million and the Packers have a problem. That's the point I made and posted the article minutes before the news broke that he was staying. He had so much leverage over the Packers. He's agreed to terms on an extension. Whether he signs it tonight, tomorrow, the next day, he's going to sign it at some point between now and next Wednesday when that new salary cap kicks in and the Packers have to be in compliance with it. So he's staying. The rest is details. He's staying. 
Yeah, Mike, and, and it sort of felt like that when Tom Clements was hired as the quarterback's coach again, came out of retirement. You sort of felt like it was probably headed that way. But, of course, Aaron Rodgers, being the drama queen that he is, had this go longer and longer and longer than it init- than it needed you to, said it, to be. And longer, you said it, not me. And, and longer, I did, and longer than it needed to be and longer than he initially said it was going to be, Mike. But this played out forever, and it didn't need to be that long. The Packers were willing to give this deal a long time ago. He finally said yes to it. He is coming back. That's good news for the Packers all the way around. But I just got the sense that he was always going back there. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe he truly was torn, as we heard last week. But I think he just wanted some attention in this thing and drag it out a little longer and be in the headlines a little longer. And for us, that's great. It, w- it was great for business for us for the week, two weeks, however long this thing dragged out longer than it should have. Supposedly came down to the Packers, the Broncos, or retirement. And it really would be fascinating to learn that that he wanted to go to the Broncos where they said, no thanks, we're trading for Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson truly was the first choice. And again, I don't believe that. But wouldn't that have been something if Rodgers yeah. had decided to go to the Broncos? And maybe what happened was he started to get the feeling that they're okay with Russell Wilson, so maybe you should stay in Green Bay. But the bottom line is he's not retiring. He's sticking around. And I, I, I'm going to wait to see the final contract because the devil is always in the details, but I've been told to expect a structure that allows him to walk away without any financial penalty after any year of this contract. So it's not going to be a firm, clear commitment. There's not going to be some huge amount of money he'd have to repay. It's going to be one year at a time, no financial consequence if you leave, but there has to be a huge signing bonus to knock down his cap number. And it may just be, it's a huge signing bonus with deferrals, 2023 24 25 so he's never actually paid the money and if he walks away he doesn't have to give anything back he just never gets it but it's structured as a signing bonus so that the Packers can get that cap relief they desperately need so we'll, we'll see once he signs the contract once the contract shows up uh, officially on on the NFL's database then we'll know and we'll be able to tell everybody exactly what's going on but I think that's the direction it's heading in this feels like the Packers pushing the chips all in in a different way than the Rams did last year with trading and signing a ton of guys. With this, I mean, we know what the Packers cap situation is, and they have rolled the dice that they can get it done with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, who they franchise tagged today, uh, and, and a bunch of other guys, you know, with the guys coming back and they're just adding in some parts because obviously they're not going to be able to go out and sign a ton a big name free agents like the Rams did last year. They're going to fill it in with parts, but with a two time defending MVP, he's won it four times overall. You feel like you like your chances, especially in the NFC, especially in the NFC North, uh, to at least get to the Super Bowl. Now, they're the first team in history with 13 wins over three consecutive seasons who hasn't made uh, a Super Bowl appearance. But they have Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to have Devontae Adams, and they're going to have Aaron Jones and some other parts. So they feel like they can get it done with those parts, with Aaron Rodgers coming back to play again. At some point, Mike, he is 38. At some point, we start to see a decline. We do it with all the quarterbacks, aside from Tom Brady. You just start to see that decline, and you wonder exactly when that's going to happen. 
especially because Aaron Rodgers relies so much on his mobility. With Tom Brady, he never really did. And I remember being told four years ago to watch Brady's legs, that the legs go before the arm, and once the legs go and he can't avoid contact, that's when he starts to get hit, that's when he starts to get hurt. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers in the past be dragged down to the ground and break a collarbone, the same one twice. The most recent time he did it in 2017 is because he held the ball a little bit longer to pop a receiver a little bit more open, and the receiver ultimately dropped the pass. But he went down thanks to Anthony Barr and broke his collarbone. He's got to be, he's got to be more careful. We've seen Tom Brady develop late in his career a propensity to just get rid of the ball so he doesn't take that hit. If Aaron Rodgers loses any of his mobility, that's going to be a factor. And hey, I, I, I really don't know, and I'm sure they'll never tell us whether or not the Jordan Love draft pick trading up to get him in round one two years ago was aimed at lighting a fire under the behind of Aaron Rodgers. But if that was the plan, it was genius. Now, whether it was the plan or not, the Jordan Love draft pick and the fourth round pick they they used to attach to their own first rounder to move up to get Jordan Love, those two picks were wasted. They're not going to have Jordan Love around. If they do, he's going to be sitting on the bench. Their best play now is to trade him somewhere. I thought Denver would make sense. Nathaniel Hackett's there as the head coach, although Hackett knows whether or not the guy's ready. And the talk around the league is Jordan Love just isn't ready. What do you do with Jordan Love if you're the Green Bay Packers? I, I think you dangle him to a team that clearly needs a quarterback. And it may be a trade that happens after the free agent quarterback carousel stops. And then you see who has quarterbacks, who doesn't. Who feels good about the situation, who doesn't. Maybe you could trade him to the Colts. Maybe you could trade him to the Steelers, right? Maybe you could Maybe you could trade him to the Browns. Maybe he becomes the competition slash insurance policy for Baker Mayfield. Who knows? Maybe you trade him to the Dolphins. Maybe he's the competition for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Very cheap. $1.735 million salary this year. $2.298 million next year. And, of course, next year they may have to make a decision on a fifth-year option. But if he doesn't play this year, the option's going to be as low as it can be because now that quarterback first-round option is tied to accomplishments your first three seasons. So this is very affordable if someone wants to take a chance on Jordan Love. But if the Packers are all in with Aaron Rodgers, why keep Jordan Love around? Why do it? Other than the fact that it's a cheap backup option and it's cheaper than what you're going to get on the open market. Well, and Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre, so maybe they feel like, yeah, we'll keep him one more year and see if Rodgers is going to commit to 2023. But you do feel like, Mike, even with back-to-back MVPs and even with the MVP last year, that if Jordan Love was ready to go, they always had a succession plan in place once they drafted Jordan Love. And if he was ready, you just feel like even with the MVPs that they would have changed course and said, hey, thanks for everything you've given to us, but we're going with the guy we drafted in the first round, and that was our plan all along. So maybe they keep him one more year just to see, but I'm with you. I wait until the quarterback carousel stops, and then I see what a team is willing to give me for Jordan Love because there are way more teams in desperate need of quarterbacks than there are quarterbacks out there. And they will be aided by the fact that we know this is not a great quarterback draft. So they could get actually more than probably they deserve to get for Jordan Love considering he has done very, very little in his playtime in the regular season, which has been very, very little. Well... 
I really was hoping that Aaron Rodgers would leave just because it would have been a great story. Although I always said the best move for him was to stay. And he did make the yeah. smart move. They can own that division this year. The Packers taking on the Bears, who have a new GM and a new head coach. The Vikings, new GM and a new head coach. First-time GM, first-time head coach. Lions still trying to figure out what they're going to be. Favorable schedule. Russell Wilson's gone from the Seahawks. They can be the one seed again. The biggest drama in the NFC is the future of Tom Brady and whether or not he returns to the Buccaneers, which I don't think is going to happen. I think he's retired from the Buccaneers. Can he finagle his path to the 49ers, which I still believe is going to be his team as of week one? That will be something. If it's 49ers and Packers in the playoffs with Rodgers and Brady going at it once again. And, hey, I could see the Packers be the one seed for three years in a row. And I I don't know that this has ever happened. It probably hasn't because we'd probably know about it if it did. There's probably never been a one seed for three straight years that has failed to get to the Super Bowl in any one of those seasons. But that's what the Packers are potentially looking at this year. Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. And 13 wins over three seasons, a team has always made a Super Bowl appearance within those three seasons of being 13 straight wins, which is what the Packers have done already, and not get to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they have failed in the postseason. A couple of championship game losses and a divisional round loss. So they're going to have to figure out, probably with less talent than they had in 2021, Mike, of how to get over that hump and get to the Super Bowl. And it will be more challenging if Tom Brady goes to a team like the 49ers. Uh, and, and I re- and you know, he has to be paying attention to all of this and feeling oh, yeah. the, the urge to get involved, to get in play, to have the power to make a decision. See, right now the Buccaneers aren't giving him the power to make a decision, according to Bruce Arians. I don't think Bruce Arians is going to make that decision on behalf of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But uh, when you look at some of the things that Tom Brady has said recently, even though the Buccaneers won't make a move with him until after June 1, unless they cut him with a post-June 1 designation, which he's got every right to ask that. You brought up that point last week, and I know we're going off script here to talk about Brady, but I think he's relevant to this conversation because I do think that what's happened with Rodgers and Wilson today will tend to be a magnet for him to come back. If he calls someone named Glazer, one of the members of the Glazer family, and says, I came here with a two-year commitment. Last year I did a one-year extension for cap purposes, not because I wanted to stay for two more years and for all anyone knows he said that last year quietly and privately to the powers that be i would like you to release me that's hey when when rogers was going to be traded no matter what he wasn't getting released when wilson is traded for seven pieces of compensation that is the ultimate boss move if tom brady can get himself released free and clear by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, notwithstanding any huffing and puffing that Bruce Arians has done, notwithstanding whatever the team would want to do. If Brady makes that plea directly to ownership to be released, what will they say? And he could be available, in theory, as soon as next week with a post-June 1 designation. And then he decides at his own speed, in his own time, what he wants to do. But as someone pointed out last week, the planets were lining up too conveniently. Kyle Shanahan doesn't go to the Combine. Tom Brady is visiting his parents in Northern California, sleeping in the bed that he slept in when he was growing up. And his former teammate at Michigan, Brian Greasy, is hired by the 49ers to be the quarterback's coach. It's all too convenient. And the smoke, I think, is rising like the fog off of the bay 
on a cold June morning. I can see it happening now. And when it all clears out, it's going to be Tom Brady wearing number 12. I think – is John Brody is, – is that, is that retired? Are we going to have to – are we going to have to do some finagling to get Tom Brady in number 12? That may be a problem, oh but I think they'll find yeah. I think they'll find a way to get Brady in number 12, Shereen. Yeah, TB12 in, in a 49ers uniform, Mike. And to me, it's always felt like getting cut was the right thing for Brady, allowing him to leave now because if they do the trade, they do it in June. If they cut him now and designate him post-June 1, he can still go sign with somebody else. He can start learning the playbook. He can get to know the players. And it also helps, Mike, frankly – that that the the 49ers unlike now the Broncos will have draft picks will have the players they won't have to give up players to get him that puts him in a far better situation than what Russell Wilson is walking into with the team without a first round pick and some second round picks and and all of the things that they gave up to get Russell Wilson. It's just a better situation if you can choose your team to go to like you did go into the Bucks. You still have those players there. You still have the draft picks. They can build around you, have the cap space to go sign some more players. That would just be a great situation for, for Tom Brady. And it just feels like if he really wants to play, that he, that he deserves to have that call to go into the Glazers, Joel or Brian, and say, I did you a favor. You do me a favor. Let me walk away. Tom Brady was born four years after the 49ers retired number 12 in honor of John Brody. Number 10 obviously is available. That's Jimmy Garoppolo's number currently, and that's the number that Tom Brady wore at Michigan. So I, I, my guess would be he would wear number 10 to play for the 49ers and not try to wear 12, respect the history of the franchise, not wear 12, not wear 16, obviously, Joe Montana's number, but wear 10 and, and be the guy that he was at Michigan wearing number 10. So to be TB10 and TB12 and to be continued, the Tom Brady saga, will he be playing for the 49ers or someone else in 2022? Let's go ahead and take a break. Franchise tag window has closed. That was supposed to be the top story today until Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson got involved. We'll talk about who was and wasn't tagged when PFTPM continues right after. As of Sunday, there were none. As of Tuesday, there are eight. Eight franchise tags applied for the 2022 season. All players and their teams will have until July 15 to work out long-term deals. After that, all you can sign is a one-year contract. You can sign a one-year contract with different terms, but it can only be one year in duration. If you sign the tender, if you accept the tender, you're under contract for the coming year according to the terms that will apply. Some have suggested there may be a fight on the tight end versus receiver. I, I talked to Jimmy Graham from seven or eight years ago. You ain't going to win that fight. You're not going to win that grievance. Right. Um, Shereen, big takeaway for you arising from the folks who were tagged and who weren't tagged. Well, I think it was Devontae Adams getting the Packers getting him back, made the all pro team the last two years. And it seemed inevitable once Aaron Rodgers made his decision to return to the Packers. But I think that was a key move for the Packers. They had to have him back, Mike. I mean, it, it clearly was a move that Aaron Rodgers wanted and probably 
He demanded if he was going to stay that he would have Devontae Adams back, and now it's trying to get that long-term contract done with Devontae Adams, who who knows? Maybe he wants to see what's out there after this year and see whether Aaron Rodgers truly is committed uh, to playing beyond this year. But I think that's for me, is the one that was key and needed to be done. Chris Godwin surprised me a little bit just because he's coming off that ACL injury, but none of the others really surprised me all that much. The the Godwin situation stunned me because he tore the ACL week 15. He had surgery in early January. The Buccaneers clearly believe that he's going to be fine. They also apparently thought that if he was available, someone else was going to make an offer and he was going to take it, an offer more than what they're willing to pay. The problem with coming up with a long-term deal for Godwin is the fact that it's very difficult to value the second year because the second year isn't another tag. It's free agency. All they could do next year is use the transition tag at a 20% increase over this year's pay, and the transition tag doesn't give you anything other than a right to match a long-term offer. Franchise tag for next year would be quarterback money or a 44% increase, whichever is greater. That's, That's the way to crack the code on the franchise tag. We saw it with Kirk Cousins and Tremaine Johnson, the former Rams cornerback, the same year. They did two tags. They became free agents. Cousins went to Minnesota. Johnson went to the Jets, and yeah, Johnson didn't work out, but he got paid. He played the game, and he won. Right now, Godwin is in a position to win the game because next year at this time, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Next year at this time, Cam Robinson of the Jaguars will be an unrestricted free agent. That is your way to fight the tag. And if you want, you can do the Le'Veon Bell, sit out all year, and next year they'd still have to give you quarterback money to tag you a third time. You become a free agent next year no matter what, even if you don't play this year. So not that anyone should do it, but you could do it. And and really from Godwin's perspective, I know he's going to want to be healthy and he's going to want to play, but if I'm Godwin, I'm not going back out on the field until my knee feels exactly the way it felt before I got injured. I'm not pushing it. I'm not risking it. I'm not working through scar tissue. I'm not playing until I am 100% because I'm getting paid either way. Can't not pay me. You've tagged me. I'm signing that tender, and I'm not playing unless and until I believe I'm 100% and not put myself at risk to prevent my shot at free agency next year, Shereen. Well, and who knows who the Buccaneers quarterback's going to be, Mike? I mean, this could be a total rebuilding year for them, which is another reason I was surprised by this. I mean, if they don't, if it's Blaine Gabbard, if they've intimated, I mean, come on now. They're not going to win very many games, even in a bad division that they're in. I just don't see them doing very much and certainly not contending. And they've got a ton of free agents who are out there that they're probably going to lose because they don't have the space to sign them. So all this just seems sort of weird to me that that they would tag him and and bring him back based on where they are. But maybe they think they're going to get some big-time quarterback that can help them contend again. I just don't see it right now. The, the other point that we need to make is that Mike Williams, the Chargers receiver, signed a multi-year contract, three-year, $60 million contract with $40 million guaranteed. Hey, that's great. He used his leverage. But you know what? Always force them to tag you. He could have done that contract tomorrow. Force them to tag you. It's not like there was someone else the Chargers wanted to tag. Sometimes you'll see a situation where there's two guys who are due to become free agents, and the team busts its butt to get a deal done with one so they can tag the other. 
if the Chargers don't use the tag on Mike Williams now, it's not like they lose anything. It's not use it or lose it. It's, if it's, they use it or they don't, they still have it next year. But if you're Williams and it's used on you, that gives you more leverage next year. And that sets you up. Once you're tagged twice, you're never getting franchise tagged again at any time in your career. Devontae Adams, four years ago, instead of signing a four-year contract with the Packers after the season was over and the injury risk was off his shoulders, he should have waited until he was tagged. Because if he had, Shireen, this would be tag number two. Next year, he's an unrestricted free agent. And he's got more leverage in the long-term contract negotiations. So... Now, maybe they were able to squeeze more money out of the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers didn't want to get themselves on a path where it's tag one, tag two, and then he goes. They wanted to have at least three more years with him. I don't know. Uh, and, and, again, the money's pretty good. But I, I'm a firm believer you should always force the tag, and then you can do the long-term contract after that. So that kind of surprised me because I, I think you always, as yeah. I said, you get that tag. And three tight ends get the tag, including the Cowboys – Dalton Schultz, what was your what was your reaction to the Cowboys making that move? Well, I wasn't really surprised because we expect Amari Cooper to get cut before the 20th when his contract becomes guaranteed. So that's going to happen. And then Michael Gallup, they're close to signing him to a long-term deal, probably going to lose Cedric Wilson. They're not going to be able to afford him. So now you start looking at Blake Jarwin just had hip surgery. His 2022 season now is in doubt when he can come back from that surgery. So there are a lot of questions now with Dak Prescott's weapon. So to me, it's a move they had to make to ensure that Dalton Schultz came back and then they have CeeDee Lamb and then Michael Gallup at some point coming off that torn ACL may not be ready for the start of the season. You don't know, but at least he has some weapons back on the team. They re-signed Noah Brown today to a one-year deal. So he's not completely devoid at that position. And maybe you go draft another receiver. And Mike, I know you've pointed out too that they shouldn't have traded for Amari Cooper and they should have drafted a, a receiver that season, the season after. Oh, absolutely. They paid Amari Cooper $53.9 million over three seasons, 2019, 20, and 21. With the 27th overall pick in the draft, they could have signed a guy for four years, $11.4 million, and had the fifth-year option. And receivers available in that spot include A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. Now, they probably would have screwed up and drafted and killed Harry, but regardless, <laughs> they could have gone with a receiver in that spot. Because remember, Stephen Jones was – he was, yeah. you know – what are you going to be doing when your pick's on the clock? I'm going to be watching Amari Cooper film because that's our pick. Yeah, but you paid him a ton of money for three years. And now, unless he takes a significant pay cut, I assume he's going to be gone. All right, let's take a break. The Deshaun Watson saga moving to a conclusion potentially. He's now the top available veteran quarterback. Could he be available to be traded before we know it? We'll discuss that next here on PFTPM. New York Times reported earlier today that the grand jury in Texas will finally hear evidence on Friday. Multiple of the persons with criminal complaints against Deshaun Watson have been subpoenaed to testify. And there's a hope, according to Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, that by the end of the day on Friday, there will be a decision by the grand jury to not charge Deshaun Watson. If anything, there's a quiet confidence that when you look at the criminal laws in Texas, there really isn't anything that was violated that would rise to the level 
of a felony or even a misdemeanor, but we'll find out. And the other side of this too, Shireen, on Friday, Tony Busby represents the 22 women who have sued Deshaun Watson, will be questioning him in the cases brought by the people who don't have criminal complaints. A few weeks ago, the presiding judge had a mixed bag ruling where for any of the cases where criminal complaints have been filed, Watson can wait. For the cases without criminal complaints, he still has to testify. Harden is going to instruct him to invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because the grand jury is meeting on Friday. He asked Tony Busby to delay the deposition. Busby declined. Harden decided not to go to court to try to get a ruling to hold it for another day. So he's going to be deposed on Friday. He's going to say nothing. He's going to invoke his Fifth Amendment rights over and over again. Meanwhile, he and Harden are going to be hoping that that grand jury decides at the end of the day to not indict him. We're going to learn a lot on Friday. Nothing from Watson, but a lot from the grand jury. And, and to, Mike, you're the attorney here, so I always defer to you on these cases. If you're Tony Busby, why don't you wait on that? Why don't you agree to wait? Is that because you think he looks guilty if he doesn't say anything? I, I think just to be difficult, just to, to be theatrical, just to, to, to show that I've got power. And, and maybe... Maybe there's a slim chance that in order to avoid the ordeal of sitting there, even though he's just going to read a script off of a card, and I could write the script in you know, a minute as to what he's going to say, and he'll mention the fact that the grand jury is meeting today, and on advice of counsel, I'm going to invoke my Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Maybe, maybe not having Watson go through that is what ultimately gets the cases settled by Friday. I don't know. But there's no reason to do it other than he can, and he needs to look like he's tough, and he needs to come off as strong, and he's not going to give in to Rusty Harden. And, and stuff like that, that motivation, that forces uh, weird things all the time in the court system. If you're an NFL team and you just have these 22 civil cases, say he gets cleared of the others, 22 are not cleared but not indicted. So 22 civil cases hanging there. Do you make the trade for Deshaun Watson at that point? Multiple teams are willing to trade for him with the cases pending. I think the Panthers would be in play. They were in play last year. Beyond that, I don't know. The Broncos definitely aren't in play. Maybe the Seahawks could get in on it. They've got the assets now if they want to do it. Something to be discussed later. That's it for now. See you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.